one time that if uh, everybody that went to uh, sleep in church was laid end to end, they'd be more comfortable. So, uh, anyway, uh, I'll, I'll watch uh, you that got a, a full belly. Uh, I'll watch you and keep, uh, keep my eye on uh, you. If you start going to sleep, then I know that uh, I have wore you out. But, uh, but really, it's, it's these ladies and all those that were involved in that food down there. Thank you. That was very good. Y'all do that every week, brother? Or is it today just a special day? Every week. Uh, are you taking new members? Don't have to be a member. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, it is a blessing to be here. and It is good to be saved. Forgiven. Forgiven. I remember uh, uh, years ago I, I uh, got to thinking about forgiveness. And so I got one of those green dictionaries too, brother. And I opened that thing up and, and it said, uh, Forgiveness is the act of being forgiven. And I thought, well, okay. Right. And then it said this. It said, it's the pardon of an offender in which he is considered and treated as not guilty. And when I read that, I thought, oh my God. Who believes in forgiveness but God? I mean, it's the pardon of an offender to which he is considered and treated as not guilty. We have forgiveness. The Bible says in Colossians 1.14, in, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. The blood of Jesus Christ is the means by which God can forgive us. Amen. And sometimes we, we just... We don't take... A, a, we don't take the words God uses seriously. Sometimes it's, it's, it's kind of a light thing. Oh, I forgive you. And we'll say something like this. I forgive you, but I'll never forget. <laughs> what? <laughs> Listen, God, God believes in forgiveness so much that He's removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. I, I, I don't know. How, how far is that, brother? I don't know. Matter of fact, he said that at one place he said that uh, uh, he's put our, our sins in the sea of his forgetfulness. I uh, I was one. To, I was in the navy when I got saved. Uh, I was on board the U.S. Jonas Ingram, and uh, they decommissioned the ship. Uh, that ship that I was on in uh, 1990 or 80, 83, I think it was. And uh, since I wasn't on the decommissioning crew, they uh, uh, let me uh, go to a different. Uh, uh, Station there in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and I got to got curious and wondered what happened, you know, to the Jonas Ingram, you know. So I was looking up uh, any more you can find, just about anything you want. You can find more things than you want to find <laughs> on the on the the internet, you know, whether it is Google or you know whatever it is. But I so I was looking it up for, on a Jonas Ingram, and I was uh, I noticed that they it, it uh, they mothballed it in uh, uh, Norfolk, Virginia. And they took everything off of it, I guess, that they might thought was useful. <laughs> and uh, then they pulled it out to sea, and they used it for target practice. And it said, the date it sunk, and uh, I thought, it sunk. 
it's at the bottom of the sea. I thought, yes, that's where my that's where my sins are. Amen. At the bottom of the sea. And uh, then God says this. He says, He puts up a fine sign that says, "No fishing." Amen. So you're not going to catch it, brother. You can't pull up those sins because they're gone. Listen, and that's because of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not because we're so wonderful. No, it's, it's the grace of God. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and then not of yourselves. It's the gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. That's, another, that's probably one of the most uh, neglected doctrines in our Bible is the grace of God. See, because grace is God's unmerited favor towards man. But it's more than that because it's, it's not only God's unmerited favor towards man, it's because of Jesus Christ's offering for men's sin. But Paul also said in the Corinthians, he said that, uh, uh, said, I am what I am. That's, uh, that's that Popeye verse, you know, I am what I am. And he says this, by the grace of God. And he said, I labored more abundantly than all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. So Paul took no credit for anything that God did through him. So really, it's God's life that's to be manifest in you and I. Amen? So really, it's an exchanged life. We gave God all his sin, all our sin, and He gave us all His righteousness. Listen, it took two, both aspects of Jesus Christ. Not only He was the perfect uh, Lamb of God dying for our sins. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation everyone to believe it, the Jew first and also the Greek. But he also said this in verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. So not only did Jesus Christ die for our sins, but He provided a righteousness that you and I can and should be living by. Listen, it was a great day in my Christian life when I realized I did not have to be me anymore. Now, you have to think about that for a few weeks, all right? Because you all got real quiet right there. But uh, uh, you don't have to be you anymore. Uh, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen, it really is Jesus Christ living in us. He's not just an influence for our lives now. He lives in us. You say, how did He get in us when we accepted His payment for sin? He sealed us with His Holy Spirit. And, and I know, you know that, you know that. Uh, but uh, uh, anyway, the reason I, I'm talking is because there's 47 messages that uh, uh, I'd like to preach this afternoon. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing which one's going to start nodding off first. See, I, had, I have a real long one, and then i got a real short one. The short one is just simply this. In John chapter 11, verse 35, Jesus wept. All right, so I preached that one. Now I'll go to the next one. Uh, Mark chapter 12, please. you got your Bibles. Let's, let's read a few verses together, all right? Uh, and I, and I, I know that uh, uh, after we eat, it, it is really hard to pay attention sometimes and and one good thing uh, that you've got going for you is that I ate too. 
Amen. But uh, there, are, there are so many things that God has given us in His Word, uh, brethren and sisters, and, and it is such an honor to, uh, to have the very words of God. Uh, and you're looking at a preacher that believes that this King James Bible is just exactly the way God wants us to have it. Amen. And uh, uh, I know that a lot of folks, they, they want change. They want change. They want change. But uh, the Bible says that, that uh, I am the Lord thy God. I change not. In Malachi chapter 3. In Hebrews 13, it said, uh, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if, if something changes, then that's not God. Amen. Amen. Listen, we had uh, last uh, Sunday night, we had the young, the teenagers uh, uh, had the service, a uh, youth service, and, and one of the young men, uh, Thaddeus, he's 14 years old, I believe he is, and, and he got to reading in Mark chapter 1 in his message about uh, John the Baptist, and, and he said that uh, how that uh, John the Baptist wasn't even worthy to loosen the shoe latches of the Lord. And he, and he said this, he said, you see that? He says, I am not even worthy to loosen the Lord's shoes. I'll tell you, that thing got a hold of me. A 14-year-old boy realized that we are not even worthy to even touch, to loosen the shoe latchets of our Lord. But the Bible said He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Mm. Mark chapter 12. Did I say that? Mark chapter 12. Let, let's, let's read this. Uh, uh, there, are, there are a lot of parables in the Bible. And uh, I, I don't know. Uh, we obviously don't have time to, to cover them all. But, but really in uh, Matthew chapter 13 are really the only two parables that Jesus really ever explains. Uh, the parable of the, the sower and also the, the, the parable of the tares and the wheats. And uh, uh, the reason he spoke in parables, he said, uh, so that you, the believers, could understand. And so the unbelievers couldn't. Now, that might sound strange, but God wants you and I to know what He has to say. And God wants you and I to know what's yet ahead for you and I. God wants us to see His heart. He did say in, in John chapter 10, He said, My sheep hear My voice. I know them, and they, they follow Me. Listen, can you hear the voice of God? Mark chapter 12. Let, let's, let's read this, uh, these first few verses here in uh, verse 1. We'll begin, the Bible says, And He began to speak unto them by parables. A certain man planted a vineyard, and set an hedge about it, and digged a place for the wine fat, and built a tower, and let it out to husbandmen, and went into a far country. And at the season he sent to the husbandmen a servant, that he might receive from the husbandmen of the fruit of the vineyard. And they caught him, and beat him, and sent him away empty. And again, he sent unto them another servant. And at him they cast stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully handled. And again, he sent another. 
and him they killed, and many others, beating some and killing some. Having yet, therefore, one son, his well-beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, They will reverence my son. But those husbandmen said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. And they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen. And he will give the vineyard unto others. And have you not read in the Scripture, the stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Verse 12 We'll stop reading here. It says, And they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people. For they knew that he had spoken the parable against them. And they left him and went their way. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, I, I know we were full we're thankful. God, for just a little while, may we consider these few verses of Scripture and what You've provided and what You want us to see and what You want us to know and how further we could draw nigh to You that You, in return, would draw nigh to us. Bless Your Word. Bless His time. Bless this church, Lord. It's been good to be here today. May your will be done as we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's, there's quite a, a few different characters in this parable that Jesus Christ gives to us today. And uh, uh, listen, brethren, I, I need some participation. That way I'll know that you're still awake. All right? And uh, uh, let's just go back to the first verse and, and look at a couple of things here. Uh, the Bible says, uh, uh, this is, there's, a, there's a parallel in Isaiah chapter 5 that we don't have time to go and look at uh, to this afternoon. But, but God uh, says that this parable uh, about this vineyard is the whole nation of Israel. And uh, uh, when uh, He did everything He possibly could do for them, uh, He built a hedge, uh, uh, He uh, uh, took out the rocks... Uh, uh, he uh, built a wine press, and he built a tower, and, and uh, when he went to, to gather in the, the, the fruit, the grapes, uh, there was nothing but wild grapes. And we, we don't have time to necessarily look at that, but, but God has always been interested in fruit. Fruit. And uh, now, we're, we're, I don't know if carrots are a fruit or not, but I tell you what, that carrot cake might qualify for fruit. I mean, that is, that is one of my favorites. It is moist. And you didn't need all that icing, Tom. You didn't need... You just, this is a cake. But to God is always interested in fruit. Now listen, uh, brother and sister, uh, fruit is, is sometimes uh, uh, not necessarily what you and I always think it is. We're, we're down there in Campbell, and uh, it supposedly is a, is a peach capital of Missouri. I, I don't know about that, but they claim that. But I've never seen a peach tree enjoying the peaches. 
I never had. Now, I, I was brought up uh, in uh, Michigan, and uh, we always had, had apples up there. But I, I've never, we had a, a couple apple trees in our backyard, as a matter of fact, but I've never seen those apple trees enjoying the apples. Matter of fact, I, I remember seeing a couple apple trees on the Wizard of Oz throwing apples. At Dorothy, I, maybe y'all don't watch that kind of stuff, but, but that, that was some years ago, years ago. But it still bothers me today, those apple trees. I don't know why they were so mad, but uh, they never ate the fruit. But fruit is, fruit is always, it's always for others. And God wants His children to bear fruit. Amen. Now, we could get over in John chapter 15 and, and see how that Jesus Christ said, I am the true vine. And how that, uh, that we are the branches. And every branch that, uh, that, uh, that beareth not fruit, the Bible says He taketh away. And He purges it. So it might bring forth more fruit. Listen, the fruit that God is looking for is what He put in us. What He produces in us. We can see that fruit in Galatians chapter 5 when He calls it the fruit of the Spirit. It's the love, that joy, that peace, that long-suffering, that gentleness, that goodness, that meekness, that faith. Listen, all those things. Listen, God does that in us. That's why He said over in Philippians, He says, work out your own salvation. With fear and trembling. What's in you, God wants to come out. And what is in you? He is. And that's what He wants to come out. Listen, we, uh, we know uh, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen of the angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on the world, received up unto glory. Listen, that's a great verse dealing with the, uh, the manifestation of God in the flesh. Jesus Christ and His deity. But godliness is God manifest in the flesh. And the only way that that's possible in you and I is for God to manifest Himself in us. So God is looking for some fruit in you and I. I, I told this to our brother up here, uh, maybe at lunch, and uh, 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 trying to emphasize, because some folks say, well, I'm not a preacher, or I'm not a Sunday school teacher, I'm not a deacon. I, listen, you're, if you're saved, your life is your ministry. Your life is your ministry. Don't forget that. Amen, Brother Steve? Your life is your ministry. I have never been able to go somewhere that I'm not at. Y'all laughing at me. But that's how simple it is. Listen, so everywhere you are, you're a representative of something or someone. Heaven? Earth? Or under the earth? In the first verse of our text here today, the Bible says there was a certain man a certain man. Listen, who do you think that this certain man is in our parable that would plant a vineyard? Not everybody at once, but somebody. God. I heard that. God. It's God the Father. Listen, everything that this is in this world, God has given us. Everything. Now, the Bible does say He created all things by Jesus Christ. 
Some folks have a hard time when they get over to Ephesians chapter 3 and, and find out that God created all things by Jesus Christ. And they have a hard time believing that Jesus Christ is the Creator. But that's what the Bible says. And let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. Preacher talked about that this morning. Amen. Listen, God is true. So here we have, here have a certain man that planted a vineyard. He, he set a hedge about it, digged a place for the wine fat, built a tower, let it out to husbandmen. All right, husbandmen. Oh, so, so here's some people that, that God wants to watch over his vineyard. Now, who do you think these husbandmen might be? I can't hear you. Listen, if it's the wrong answer, that's okay. I'll say, nah, you're wrong. No. If it, the church? I don't think so, but we might see that differently in just a few minutes. Somebody else? Husbandmen. Husbandmen. Now listen, let me, let me, let me give you a little hint. Let me give you a little hint. Jump back to verse 12. All right, we read it. And they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken this, the parable against them. I heard it. All right, hold your spot right there. You don't mind turning. I, I, I'll try not to get you too many places in the Bible. But the whole Bible is so fitly joined together, you can't ignore what God says in other places. But if you hold your spot there and look at the parallel passage there in Matthew 21, please, if you just turn with me. A lot of times, brethren, when we see it like God says it, it makes the difference in our heart. Look at Matthew chapter 21, please. Matthew chapter 21. Look down here and please in verse... Uh, Oh, here's a, just to show that it's the same uh, uh, parable. Look at verse 33. Matthew 21, 33. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which digged a vineyard, hedged about it. All right, so it's, it's a parallel passage. One of the things about uh, uh, the Bible, and especially the Gospels, it's not Matthew's opinion about what God did. It's not Mark's opinion about what God did. It's not Luke's opinion and John's opinion. Listen, God gives more information through each man. Listen, it's the words of God. So that's why we compare Scripture with Scripture. But if you look down here in verse uh, uh, 45, at the end of this parable, the same parable but a different passage, verse 45 it says, And when the chief priests... And Pharisees had heard that his parable, they perceived that he had spoken of them. So here are the leaders, if you would, of the Jews, the chief priests, the Pharisees. Listen, the ones that were supposed to see what God was doing, they missed him. Maybe because they didn't like the fact that he came through a manger in a barn instead of the palace. Maybe because he came into Jerusalem on the, the, the foal of an ass instead of on a white stallion. Hey, he's coming back on a white horse. Amen. Amen. Just like they thought he should have come the first time. But, but maybe they didn't like the fact that his dad, his earthly dad, was a carpenter. 
Now, I'm highly offended at that because I'm a carpenter. But it, see, they didn't, he didn't come like they thought he should come. God didn't do what they should, thought that God should do. How, how, how are we? Is God doing things the way we think they should be done in our lives? Or is he doing what he knows needs to be done? <laughs> so, so we've got some husbandmen here. And uh, I, I really believe it is the nation of Israel, or especially their leaders. Because when it came to crucifying Jesus Christ, you know, Pilate said, I, I find no fault in him. He said, if you let him go, you're not Caesar's friend. We have no king but Caesar. And he, try, he tried to wash his hands of the blood of Christ. I, 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 I don't think that's, a, that's even a possibility. Because every one of us is going to give an account of himself to God. There's enough blood that Jesus Christ shed for everyone that's ever lived to be saved. Amen, amen, amen. That's why it's safe preaching the same message. Jesus Christ died for sinners. Amen. And you might have to individually get to that place that Paul got where he said, of whom I am chief. <laughs> i got no problem there. All right, back in our, our text in chapter 12 of Mark, though, if you don't mind going back there. Look at verse 2. The Bible says, And at the season he sent to, to the husbandmen a servant, that he might receive from the husbandmen the fruit of the vineyard. Now, now, who do you think these servants that God sent to these leaders or to the nation of Israel, if you would? Prophets. Listen, every time God sent a prophet, it's because they had messed up. And God wanted them to get right and turn back to Him. And, he, and God is simple. He says, listen, if you'll repent and turn back to Me, I'll bless you and take care of you just like I did before. And so God sent servants. And some of these servants they beat. Some of them they stoned. Some of them they ended up killing. Man. Oh, the joy of being a prophet. <laughs> oh. We don't we won't don't we won't take the time to, to look at all the verses dealing with these prophets. But uh, the last thing here, not the last thing, but uh, there's another individual in verse 6 that this husbandman, or this actually this certain man, sent to the husbandman. And he said in verse 6, Having therefore one son, his well-beloved. The Bible says, He sent him also last unto them, saying, They will reverence my son. Listen, who, who, who is this, y'all? This is Jesus Christ. See, y'all know this. You say, how do you know that? Because you've been reading your Bible. You've been comparing Scripture. You've been seeing what God has laid out. And He sent His Son, and they, they did not reverence His Son. One of, the, uh, one of the greatest verses in the New Testament to me, to those scribes and Pharisees, is found in John chapter 5, verse 40, when he said, uh, uh, said, And you would not come unto me that I might give you life. 
Jesus said, listen, I will give you life, but you just got to come to me. You got to come to me. And they would not. They weren't about to come to him. When they had a head-on uh, discussion with him in John chapter 8, they, they got so mad at him and said, We be not born of fornication. He said, You're an illegitimate son. Are you trying to tell us? He said, Well, listen. Well, we're not. that's another message in itself. But they hated Jesus Christ. They hated him. And Pilate said they envied him without a cause. Without a cause. He went about doing good. But Jesus, they, they, they thought if they got rid of the Son of God, that that would be the end of it. Well, according to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Bible says that, that, that if the prince of this world had known, if they'd have known, the Bible says they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. That, listen, that crucifixion was Satan's worst mistake. Listen, Jesus Christ said in John 10, He said, My Father has given me a commandment that I lay down my life, and I have power to lay it down, I have power to take it up again. Amen. Listen, that cup in the garden of Gethsemane that Jesus Christ asked it would pass for Him, listen, it wasn't for His own life. It was for our sin. Our sin. He had never known separation from His Father. And if He was going to take our sin upon Himself, if He was going to take the sin of the world upon Himself, there could not be fellowship. And that's why we have those words at the cross, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Listen, all that happened to Christ was because of our sin. And He said, in that garden, He said, Father... If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not I, but not how I will, but what, but Thy will be done. If there's any other way to get this done, I, I'd appreciate that. But the Father said, "This is it." Matter of fact, He'd already prophesied it about it in Isaiah 53, where He said, "It pleased the Father. It pleased God to bruise Him." He said, "Why did it please the Father to bruise Christ? Because that's the only way that sin could be taken care of." And these men, these husbandmen, they killed the prince of life. I, that's, that's beyond my comprehension. How that the prince of life died. In verse 9 of our, our text here, it says, What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? Said he will come and destroy the husbandmen and will give the vineyard to others. You do not want to be on the wrong side of Calvary. Listen, I, I was the reason that Christ died. I would have been right in that mob saying, crucify Him. Crucify Him. I'd have been right there in that mob. Listen, I don't fully understand the enmity that we have against God that God revealed to us. You know, I didn't realize how lost I was until after I got saved. Isn't that strange? I didn't realize how wicked and how ungodly I was until after I got saved. Because I, I saw 
like God saw. And I took God's Word against my own opinion of myself. Amen. You know, when you begin to take God's uh, uh, Word against yourself, it's real easy to get low. You've got no problem with God resisting the proud. Oh, yes. Yeah. But He gives grace to the humble. Oh, yeah, humble. Humble yourself, therefore. Stay low. i got no problem with that. Just stay low. Because what, you know, what hast thou that thou hast not received? Listen, if there's anything good, that's God. All that other stuff, that's me. That's me. That's me. But back in our parable here, God's going to destroy those husbandmen. And uh, uh, there in Revelation chapter 20, when those men stand before God at that great white throne judgment, and He said, uh, are there names in the book? And they said, their names are not in the book of life. He said, uh, Cast them into the lake of fire. For whosoever is not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Listen, he might recall everything about their life and their testimony against Christ. Listen, that, uh, uh, that, that's not going to be a joyful day. That's why it, does, it takes chapter 21 before God wipes the tears away. Amen. There's, no, there's going to be no joy knowing that a friend or a loved one rejected Christ's payment for their sin and is cast into hell for all eternity. There's no joy in that. The Bible says that God doesn't even take any pleasure in the death of the wicked. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. That's why He paid the price, so that everyone can be saved. But you've got to come His way. You've got to come His way. Now these guys thought, man, this fruit is ours. When that certain man comes, he will have the last word. And those husbandmen, they will be destroyed. But there is another group here in this parable at the end of verse 9. He says, And I will give the vineyard unto others. So now we don't necessarily have a particular group of people, but there's some others involved here. Now, who is these others, y'all? Somebody says us. Somebody's raising their hand. Christians. I think you're right. I think you're right. So, listen, what are we looking for? What is God looking for? All right, get it smaller, brother. Get, get to the, the parable. Get to the text here. What's he looking for? I heard somebody say it. Fruit. Let's just keep it simple. Fruit. He's looking for fruit. Listen, I'm not telling you that that's not part of it. But all he's looking for is fruit. Fruit. And so he's going to give this vineyard to others. I don't know if you've still got a spot in Matthew chapter 21, but I'm going to flip back there because this passage in Matthew chapter 21 tells a little bit more about these others. In verse 23... If you don't want to turn back there, that's okay. I'll, I'll read it. In Matthew 21, 23. But when, you've got to see it like God says it, y'all. You've got to. And I, and I know. And, and I know I'm preaching to the choir. I know that. Look at verse 23. And he said unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the... No, I'm in the wrong chapter. Sorry about that. They said, that ain't right. 
Um, 43. 21-43. I knew I wasn't reading it, right? Therefore, say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. So God's going to take from the nation of Israel, these chief priests and these Pharisees, these rulers of Israel, and give it to another nation. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, uh, 9, is a nation that might seem unusual to the Israelis. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says this. It says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that we should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Now, usually we don't refer to the church or the bride or the body as a nation, but God wanted you to know that the others were a, is another nation. And you are right. It's the church. It's you and I. So listen, the, the whole parable here in Mark chapter 12 is dealing with God looking for fruit. Looking for fruit. Now, I, I, I can't help but think, why would God, since we already know that God doesn't change, so God's still looking for fruit. I believe that God is still looking for fruit. But now He's looking for fruit in the church, in the believers, in the saved. So if He sent others to these first husbandmen, why would God not send someone to us? So let me ask you this. Who is God sending to the church? Jesus? Is that what you said? Well, the only reason we're part of the church is because we've accepted Jesus' payment for our sins. Alright, so, so that's what gets us into the line of trust. So we've already got, we've already got him. Who else would God send to us? Alright, the Holy Spirit. That's
That's that's why that's why I remember you, brother. I don't mind being saved. 
that I'm Because if I'm base, then he is always higher. And even told us to esteem others better than ourselves. All of it. All of it. God has provided all of it. There's one place in that parable, the sower, when that seed was sown among the thorns, God said that the seed sprung up. But the deceitfulness of riches entering in. The Bible says, choke the word. And then he said this, and it becometh unfruitful. So at one time, it could have bore fruit, but something else got its attention. Who has your attention today? What's my time? Who has your attention? That's something that that you and God need to have a conversation about. If you die without that son and his payment for sin, eternity is not bright. If you accept the payment of the son, his blood, eternity is bright. But what about others around you's eternity? Are they coming because of the fruit that God's bringing off of you to bring them to Him? It's all, it's all about Him. It's always been about Him. It'll always be about Him. That's why the Bible says that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Brother and sister, here's, here's just one little parable that God gave us here in Mark chapter 12, also in Matthew chapter 21, of what God would expect from us until He comes. He put it like this, Occupy till I come. Let's pray. Father, I, I, I don't know where everyone's at here tonight other than they're here. God, I don't know if we've been living for ourselves or maybe we're shy, bashful. Maybe we've got an excuse that we're not smart enough or, or don't know the Bible enough. Or if we're saved, we know how we got saved, by grace, through faith. God, we know how people affected our lives and how you used others to get us to Jesus Christ. That's how you chose to bring men to yourself, through others. And God, it's, we, don't, we don't preach ourselves. That would be foolish. We don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. That's what you said over in 2 Corinthians. God, uh, we're just your son. 
vessel, branch. God, may we be found faithful in these days that sinners would be saved. We'd hear preaching, we'd repent. We'd hear teaching and be helped. The doctors and nurses, lawyers would see what God is doing and the peace that He gives. And they'll be convinced it's not their treatment, but it's the comfort that comes only from God. Lord, we heard testimony of how you helped this morning, Miss Anna. And God, how you're helping these others. And Father, we are thankful, God, that you're able to meet needs that, that as individuals we're unable to meet. Like Brother Everett. And like Brother Beckett. And Miss Bolin. And the comfort, Lord, that these families need. Like the Kirkmans. Father, May we be found faithful that you would be glorified. We ask in Jesus' name. Brother Greg, thank you. Let's stand together, if you would, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Miss Evelyn, if you wouldn't mind playing just a hymn of invitation. Two questions on, in light of the message that was preached. Number one, are you saved? Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? If not, I would encourage you to make today that day. There's no greater decision in your life you'll ever make than to come to Christ. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. He offers it freely. He loves you with all of His heart. He didn't come to make your life miserable. He came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. But it's your choice. He doesn't force it. You have to come to Him and just say, Lord, I'm trusting you. Trust in you to save my soul. Give me forgiveness of my sin. Give me a home in heaven for all of eternity. You can do that today. It's that simple. He doesn't make salvation difficult. Are you saved today? Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior? If you have, the second question is, are you bearing fruit? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit of God to work in us and through us to produce the fruit that He longs to do in our lives? We're a light. We're a city that is set on a hill, the Bible tells us. Whether you like it or not, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're an example to someone. Are we bearing fruit? Are we showing others about Him? If God has spoken to your heart, can I encourage you to make a decision on that today? You might want to come to an altar here. That's fine. You're welcome to do that. Many have already come. If you don't want to come and be embarrassed and you want to pray in your seat, that's fine too. But can I urge you and encourage you to do what God has called for you to do today? If He's stirring in your heart, if there's conviction in your heart today, respond to that. He only speaks so long. He only calls for so long. Don't let Him pass you by. If He's worked on your heart, if He's dealt with your heart, if you need to get these matters settled, do it today. Cry out to Him. There's not a person that's ever come to Christ that He's ever turned away. Not one. Would you come to Him today? With heads bowed and eyes closed, we'll just have another verse or so of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart, would you come?
right, thank you. you. May be seated for just a moment. We'll be dismissed in just a minute. Uh, if you'll bear with me, about three or four minutes we'll be done here. Um, normally we don't take an offering in our church. We have an offering box in the box in the back, and if people feel like the Lord wants them to give, that's between them and God. We don't we don't uh, pass an offering plate in the church. Uh, but occasionally we have folks in that are serving the Lord that we want to try to be a blessing to and try to help along the way. Brother Chris uh, does work and labor by faith, and God supplies his needs. And I do happen to know that there was a period of time that he wasn't able to do a whole lot with the COVID. He wasn't allowed to get into the prisons a whole lot. And I'm sure that they have physical and material needs too. And so I'd like to, uh, if you wouldn't mind, we'll put an offering plate back in the back foyer on the table. Uh, back there, and if you'd like to give something to be a help to him, uh, you can put it in that offering plate, and everything that comes in, we'll just hand it straight to him. And uh, if you need to write a check, I guess make it out to Chris Lewis. Would that be okay? Or Donna Lewis? She's going to get it anyway. Uh, no, Brother Chris Lewis will be fine. Uh, and uh, do, do you want it made out to her? You know she's going to end up with it, but uh, okay. Uh, Tomorrow's your 35th wedding anniversary. And we better we better dig deep because he may need some brownie points after 35 years. He he might have to take her to McDonald's instead of White Castle, so uh, something fancy, you know. But uh, if you'd like to help with that, you can just put it in the offering plate there. We'll make sure everything comes to him. If you need to write a check, just make it out to Chris Lewis. He didn't ask us for that. He didn't come and say, "Brother, I need a love offering." He just said we'd like to visit with you, and he came to just share the ministry, and I'm glad to hear from him. I, we support him uh, monthly, and uh, we try to try to be an encouragement to him along the way, but uh, we're glad to hear what God's doing through their life.